0: Hi, this is Coffee with the Sarlows, and I'm Karen Sarlow.
1: I'm Kelly Sarlow, and today we are joined with a dear friend of both of ours, Amanda Cooley from Ruby Yoga Studio.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what are we doing today?
0: Well, I, I thought about asking Amanda about hips as a yoga teacher. And, um,
1: just the general, yeah, I'm just going to throw
0: hips at her. Okay. And I'm, I'm <laughs> throw
1: hips at her. <laughs> okay. I can leave.
0: Here they come. <laughs> That's much. I'm, and I'm curious about some things. I've got some questions just coming at me to ask you about hips. Fire away. Okay. What the hell? It seems like well, everybody's got jammed up hips, uh, whether it's SI joint and, um, what do you call that down the leg? Yeah. That's sciatic. Sciatic. That's so common, Amanda. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, and you know, me, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you different questions about, you know, yeah. the, I'll say the emotional component of it, but before we get into the emotional component of why people are jammed up in their hips, what are you noticing as a teacher?
1: Can, can I just throw it out there before you answer too? Cause I think a lot of people, uh, don't understand hip pain. Um, oh and would would think I don't even have hip pain but we as we've learned you well all three of us together and separately um a lot to do with our lower back pain it's usually a hip issue um strings too yeah so Um, I'm just thinking outer knee for anyone who's listening who doesn't think they can identify with when we say hip issue uh we're also talking about all these other issues as well because it's all it's all joint
0: well why don't we throw out all the issues that are that are hip issues first then
2: um okay, so oh, let's give them a list yeah we mentioned a couple of them already which is sciatic pain lower back pain um s- inner knee pain outer knee pain ham- tight tight hamstrings um those are the immediate ones that i can think of
0: and if i have tight hamstrings where am i hurting
2: um generally the low back okay
1: what, okay, I was gonna say, what about my butt? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and I have worked very closely with, with the yoga practice, um, releasing the muscles in the pelvic floor, mm-hmm. which is directly related to the outer hips, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that comes down into the hamstrings as well. Mm-hmm. So, so it's never just really one issue. Mm-hmm. What,
0: what about if I'm tight in my groin in the front?
1: Uh,
2: it could, yeah, I mean, it could be, that's, that's usually a hip flexor. So that is another hip issue.
0: Can that go up into my stomach and into my digestive
2: area? Yes, if it's going up into your pelvic floor area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So
0: I might have some muscle spasms in the pelvic floor and not know that that's why my back is hurting? Yeah. and you Or might have my legs?
2: Some, yeah. And you might have some lower back pain stemming from pelvic, a weak pelvic floor or an overactive pelvic floor. What do you mean an overactive pelvic floor? Um, women doing Kegels wrong. You can do a Kegel wrong. Yes. Oh, okay, go on. My uh, doctors <laughs> never told me this, so let's keep going. Okay, so Kegel exercises are supposed to, well, they're supposed to follow the diaphragmatic breath. So on an inhale, your diaphragm acts like a piston; it goes up and down. So when you inhale, your pelvic floor should be opening, uh, kind of creating space in your pelvic floor, and then on an exhale, it's very gentle pull up. But most women are when they think about Kegels or when they do their Kegels, it's a constant thrust, 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 thrust. So it's a um, it's a quick action. And they just keep doing it over and over and over and thinking that this is going to um, strengthen their pelvic floor very much like a bicep curl over and over and over. Um, But they don't realize that their pelvic floor actually has a, a front back and a middle. And you can isolate front, back, and middle, but you can also I- isolate both sides of your pelvic floor. So it's not just about thrusting the vagina up and down. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also about um working it as a whole unit and doing it softly and gently, not causing yourself any pain. It's like
1: a dance.
0: So could I end up with some pelvic floor pain if I'm not having um, proper sex? Uh. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. What about bowel
2: movements? Uh. Yeah. Yeah, particularly in the colon area, now, constipation. Yeah, I, or pushing too hard. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, lights
2: are going off. Well, pushing too hard and <laughs> in, in that way, but also yeah, labor delivery, hemorrhoids. Yeah.
1: So we're throwing a lot of a lot of different issues and potential stressors to the pelvic floor out there, and I think what I think is really neat is that we had Joanna not too long ago talking about um, the sitting is the new smoking. Um, And how we're in the office too much and and we have such a sedentary lifestyle. Now, I think it's really cool to bring you in kind of second because you talk very passionately about proper range of motion Mm -hmm. and what we're really doing in hurting all of these different areas of our body is moving outside of our range of motion, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So can you talk to us um, about that? In regards to the pelvic floor or the hips? Both.
2: Um, Okay, so... Just kind of going back to the pelvic floor, you you have, if you think about your pelvic floor as like a diamond shape, uh, so the top of the diamond is your urethra, and then you go out to the side, to the left side, and then down to the anus, and then back to the other side, and then back up to your urethra. It's a diamond, and you can isolate the left side and the right side. You can isolate the top, the middle, and the back, and you can do this with a, a very gentle kind of pulling up motion. Um, and you'll always recognize where you're weaker either in the front, the sides, or the middle and when you're working that action you're trying to isolate that action of the top, middle, front, back, whatever Um, you can scan the rest of the body and recognize where you're compensating for that, that weak movement or that lack of mobility in your pelvic floor
1: so what does that look like?
2: Uh that can look like clenched toes tight tightening your inner thighs, tightening your bum cheeks, stressing your lower back, clenching your jaw. Uh, there's a many different many different oh, ways that people compensate.
0: Clenching the jaw mm-hmm. is like ninety nine percent of the population, both male and female mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. From, from and, and And stressing shoulders shoulders is another big one
0: So a good deal of the body issue and pain comes back to that pelvic floor
2: yeah yeah and just recognizing um well where you carry your stress because it's a it's a if you can recognize where you carry your stress chances are not all the time but chances are that that's where you tend to compensate for the lack of movement or the lack of strength in certain areas that you might be trying to work Mm -hmm. right so if we bring that to the hips. Your pelvis and your hips, when they're tight, act as one unit. When really the femur bone inside the hip socket should act on its own and the pelvis should act on its own. But we move them together.
0: Mm -hmm. So if somebody's moving them in a healthy way, what would that look like?
2: I often refer to it as a flag blowing in the wind. So if you're laying on your back and your feet and your knees are hip distance apart with your knees bent and you drop your knees out to the side very slowly, recognizing when your pelvis starts to tilt down so that your tailbone starts to tilt down to touch the floor and you overarch your lumbar spine or your lower back. Then that's the pelvis getting involved for the external movement of the knees and the hip joints.
1: Which should be able to move on their own.
2: Correct, yes. So those knees should be f- flying back and forth or, you know, like a flag in the wind, just kind of blowing steadily. It's a fluid movement, uh, flowing movement. But if you work beyond that range of motion, then your pelvis will start to tilt or shift.
1: So the pole starts moving with the flag.
2: Yeah. And then, well, and then you got to check in with the rest right. of the body, too.
1: Did I do that right? I <laughs> love
2: it. Yeah. I'm just sitting here <laughs> listening to the two of you. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, that's giving people a good visual, though, of what the healthiness of their low spine is supposed to look like and the, the hip area. And I think a lot of men have hip issues, but think hip issues are a female issue.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they also think that pelvic floor issues are just a woman's issue and they're not. But, um, I know more about, or I can speak better about a woman's pelvic floor.
0: Okay. So having said that, I was going to ask you about truckers and stuff like that or, or desk people. Um, uh, people driving in you know backhoes or whatever where they where there's a f- fair amount of sitting but that also applies to the men who choose to sit every evening in front of a tv set mm-hmm. and um i think uh or video games or whatever there's just a heck of a lot of sitting going on yeah. and that men seem to think that yoga's for women mm-hmm. That yeah. uh, that's what I've seen in attending
2: your studio is that it's very female dominated, mm-hmm. and more men. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but more men are starting to show up, which is good to see.
1: I think more men are being educated, or I people so. in general.
2: Yeah, I think so. And uh, originally, it was a male dominated practice; now, only men were allowed to do it, and then um, uh, and then slowly, as the Western culture became. I don't know, became more involved, I guess, is when uh, w- women started primarily practicing it.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, all, the, all of the uh, gurus, or original gurus, I'll call them. Are yes, all men. Yes, are, are, are all men. men.
2: Yeah, there was a, a woman guru. Her name is Swami Shivanandarata, And she's, st- well, her, um, I, call, I guess I could call them disciples. Is that proper? I wonder if that's proper. Followers? Anyway, followers yeah i think that'd be a better term um there's a uh an ashram out out in the west coast and it's it's uh dedicated to her she was the one that founded it and people are people live there people live there and just kind of um continue her work as uh, one of the first lady gurus Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah so i don't know just going back to men like men in the practice, men sitting, men thinking that it's only a um, a woman's practice. Um, and oh. then if you go back to the hips and the pelvic floor as well. Yeah. I often question or I often wonder, and it would be maybe good to speak to Joe about this, or maybe a pelvic health therapist, pelvic floor physiotherapist, about men in colon cancer, men in prostate cancer, or men you know, just with... Uh, those types of complications.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find it interesting that that it was even thought to be a, a female issue, um, considering that sports is, was, for the longest time, largely male-dominated. And you think about the kind of contact and impact their body is absorbing, um, and what we were only concerned with concussions and, and head injuries or mm-hmm. breaking bones, and yet you think when you're talking about compensation, when you see someone coming at you, you brace your entire body. Mm-hmm. Your muscles tighten up, and of course, m- I think most people understand that one of the first areas you clench knowingly is your butt mm-hmm. um, because it's your safety, right? Mm-hmm. So we know energetically that our, our feelings of safety are held in our pelvis, um, and hopefully maybe with more education, men are understanding that that's an area that needs to be taken care of as well.
0: Mm. I think for a long time... <clears throat> when you say men in sports, their idea of a, um, a hip issue is if it's broken, mm-hmm. then fix it. Or and fix it, it means surgery, mm-hmm. um, or it means laying down and resting until I can get back up and play again or drive the truck again. Mm-hmm. But I don't think men really were given fair amount of, a fair amount of wisdom or education <clears throat> to understand that there was something that could be proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, to help them better achieve their goal of working or a sport mm. or their goal of rehabilitating, and I think like physio came along and when it was more acceptable for people to see a physiotherapist and be able to stretch or and I still think to this day a lot of men think that massage therapy is for women, and that not not every man believes or is open to being touched mm. um so I want when you practice yoga. Um, do you touch them?
2: I touch many of my students. Um, a lot of my students who I've been teaching for a while, um, I, I'm aware that they're comfortable with me hands on adjust, adjusting them. Um, but with new, new students who I've never taught before, it's always, it's always a, may I, may I put my hands on you to, to show you what I'm asking you to do? Mm -hmm. to assist you to guide you um and and it's it's a a, are you asking me about how I touch them or or just if or just if just if you find that that yeah 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 I think people are visual to a certain extent but if they don't understand how their body is supposed to move it's nice to to, to use your hands and sort of show them.
0: Well, and I think in my mind, the reason I'm asking you this is because I've been to some yoga studios um, in different cities mm-hmm. uh, where the yoga instructor stays on their mat and and um, closes their eyes or conducts their own practice yeah. mm-hmm. and doesn't make any adjustments or looks at the students to correct or to stand up and go over and say you're in the wrong position this is causing strain or injury. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just doing their own practice. And I think, uh, because, uh, Amanda, this isn't to be a negative, but I keep hearing this over and over again where people are saying to me, oh, don't go to yoga. It just hurts you more. And this is part, it is awful to hear. But I think it's in part where you have um, an instructor that it isn't doing what you're doing. It, mm-hmm. it isn't going up to each student and saying you're overstressing by, by being in this position and by guiding them or gently showing them the position that you mean so that they are getting um, what you call bone-on-bone stacking mm-hmm. um, so that that the body is in the right alignment for the muscles to do the stretching properly.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the comment itself comes from an, ing- an ignorance of not understanding what yoga is and not really knowing what to expect. So if that kind of a teacher is their first experience, that yeah. is their yoga experience. That's right. And so, I mean, I know f- for myself having the same as you, done several practices in different different cities, um, if I have someone say that to me, I know that they've had a bad experience with a certain teacher and I will say to them, that's not yoga. You've You've been into the wrong kind of teacher, whether it was through their certification or their their own lack of educating themselves. Um, That's certainly not true of yoga as a whole.
2: I think there's a lot to be said behind those comments too. Um, You know, different teacher training programs, particularly nowadays, um, I'm not aware of how much anatomy a lot of these teacher training programs are offering their students. Uh, In my particular... Uh, training there was a lot of anatomy and our anatomy teacher was a kinesiologist then yoga teacher and she had been practicing for many number of years so she had a lot of experience behind her and then you also have to look at the style um, that you're wanting to get into there's so many lineages of yoga now that you have to educate yourself on the lineage of yoga so if you have for just for example i like to use this one a lot is if you have higher low blood pressure and somebody's telling you or one of your friends are telling you, ah, oh, man, you should try this hot yoga class. In, your, in the back of your mind, you know that you have high or low blood pressure, but you're going to go to this yoga, this hot yoga class and the experience more often than not might be bad because of your, uh, of, of, uh, because of your blood. So if you're low blood pressure and you haven't eaten, you're going to get really dizzy, really nauseous, really quick. You're practicing in a sauna. If you have high blood pressure, it's going to stimulate that high blood pressure. So hot yoga might not be that the yoga for you and your body. Um, So Kelly, I think it's really I think there is something to be said about educating people on the different styles and lineages of yoga.
0: So when you go to a hot yoga studio cuz that's one I have not personally done. I know you you guys have, but yeah. I haven't. Um say, so I'd be brand new. I would I mean, you know I do yoga. Mm-hmm. Um but I would never have known that. Um and I have low blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I think a lot of people don't even know if they have higher or low blood pressure. So and I wonder even if they do know because they wouldn't know to say anything to the teacher. Are you asked when you go to a hot yoga class by the teacher, typically, if it, does anybody here have high or low blood pressure and guide them that way?
1: Well, that's where I'm saying that I think it, the, those types of comments depend on the experience where if you don't have a responsible teacher or yoga, yoga studio owner or manager sitting at the front desk who takes you in as a new client and gets you to fill out that paperwork and asks the right questions, mm-hmm. then of course you don't know as a new student. You're just thinking, I'm coming in, I'm going to lay down a mat and I'm going to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I know I've been to places who haven't asked those questions. Well, this brings up
0: one of the things I was kind of hoping to lead to in that when I've been to your studio, um, and you have, you know, anywhere from six to 20 people there that at the very beginning of the classes, everyone is sitting on their mat. Uh, before we begin anything, you go around the room and ask each single per every person individually, where they hurt that day. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to say it out loud that they approach you before class when you're sitting in your office mm-hmm. and they go into the office privately and tell you what their aches and pains are mm-hmm. so that and I always notice that you'll give an instruction that we're doing say downward dog mm-hmm. and that you will then go up to certain people and say and you can do yours on your fists, you can you do yours halfway, you can do yours and that you make all of the adjustments personally.
2: hmm Okay. Um, yes, I ask people every day how they're feeling, uh, every class how they're feeling, because your body is constantly changing with your environment. Um if you're feeling really stressed one day, then that's going to carry into your areas where you carry your stress. If you're feeling extremely sad one day, you might lack uh, lack energy. Um, and that way I know that if I'm devising a lesson plan in my head, that I have to be mindful of each student and their, I'll call them, um, I want to call them issues. Is there a better word for that? Uh, um, yeah. So, uh, and that's just something that I have adopted from the style that I was trained in. Uh, that was what something, that was something that my teachers always did.
0: That was unique to me after being in all kinds of other teachers classes, a minimum, I'll say of four to six teachers before I met you. Mm -hmm. And that when I walked in and you sat down and said each person's Mm -hmm. name and went through and said, how are you today? And what are your pains today? I was blown away because I had always just come in, taken a mat, rolled it out, laid down, teacher walks in, and you go into, they tell you your poses. Um, so that was something that was quite unique to me that I think is important for people to understand that that is an option.
2: I also think too that um, you wouldn't go into a chiropractor without telling them your issues. You wouldn't go to a physiotherapist without telling them telling them there that your issues are a doctor or a dentist or any other professional um, person and yoga is going that way um, and the style that I I teach I feel for me is a bit more of a therapeutic style with the use of the props um, and so it's important for me as a professional as somebody who's, you're asking me to help you out of your pain. Well, if I don't know what kind of pain you're in, then how am I going to help you? And a lot of people, even filling out the registration forms, there's a, a, you know, there's a, a flat out question on the registration form. Are you in any pain? What are your current ailments or issues or, or anything like that? And they will leave that blank. And then They'll walk out my door and they'll walk into the studio and they'll set themselves up and I'll look on the piece of paper and I'll see their name and I'll go out and I'll call them back into the into the office and I'll go through the body with them. Um, you know, there's a whole list that I like to go through. So if they've left that area blank, then I can't do them any good as a teacher.
0: I think that's really interesting, Amanda, because it talks a lot about our culture about, hi, how are you? I'm fine today. Yeah. And you quickly
1: ha- just kind of pass by each other. Yes, you don't even wait for the answer. And yet
0: we show up in our yoga class or the the physiotherapist office or, like you say, the doctor's office. How are you? I'm, I imagine many medical doctors could say, well, "Boy, do we relate to that?" Mm-hmm. Where people walk in for their appointment. So how are you? Oh, I'm good, good. How are you? How, are you? Yeah. how was your weekend? Yeah. And and putting it all back on that person yeah. when they're supposed to be there to be able to use their voice. Yeah. They're supposed to be there to be able to say what their needs are and speak their needs and how quite often we are shamed into not ex- not saying what our needs are because people make us feel guilty for it. They well, shame us.
1: Or don't listen to us anyway. You know? Yes. But even when we say something is wrong, people kind of brush over it like, oh, that's nice. That's good to hear. Okay, well, I wish you the best and it's on to the next topic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. See, to me, and I know you know that I get very heated about this because I could talk about you and your professional day, but to me, it goes back to responsibility again. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I don't speak of this in the in the Eastern culture, more so in the Western, that um, we haven't adopted it properly, mm-hmm. that it's become a fad. And I know it's been around to stay, but it, but it is very much a, a fad thing to do for fitness mm-hmm. instead of the responsibility to the body, mm-hmm. the responsibility to the knowledge of the body mm-hmm. uh, and how to integrate that into all the different lifestyles. Because well, as you know, I don't need to tell you, there's limbs of yoga and the asanas or the poses are just one of them. Mm -hmm. And the Western world thinks that's yoga. That's Mm it. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas a responsible teacher and practitioner yourself walks in and wants to respect all aspects. Mm. And I think that's what people need to know to look for Mm -hmm. in a yoga practice.
0: Mm -hmm. and, And you know what? Fairly, perhaps some of those teachers sit on their mat because they're damn frustrated. That when they ask the questions, there is no response from the students. Mm -hmm. That it is a two-way street. You have to have the teachers willing to take the time to ask, Mm -hmm. but you have to equally be, as you guys are saying, responsible to saying to your teacher why you're there. Mm -hmm. And daily, not Mm -hmm. I'm coming to de-stress. De-stress is a term we've thrown over a blanket of, I'll say, physical symptoms with emotional background to them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, that's the other part of the yoga that I'm that, as you know, we both love, that the the connection between the physical and the, the emotional and the experience people have that mm-hmm. created it all.
1: That's I want to like jump in and because I want to kind of reel the conversation back, um, if that's okay with you guys, yeah, because you and I work together very closely in a lot of different projects, yeah. and we, we both get very passionate talking about this one particular topic. Um, something that you've taught me, which. It probably took me about two years for everything to sink in. You would get us into a, in a into a posture. And I would go into it 100%, m- much like most students. And mm-hmm. you would say, okay, now come back 20%. Mm-hmm. That you should only be going to 80% of your own range of motion um, for proper positioning or proper alignment mm-hmm. so that you're not overstretching, you're not hurting the body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just getting that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what you and I have been able to do to illustrate that with the body, but then also understanding and bringing up conversations with people of where else in their life are they pushing themselves to a hundred percent when they need to come back, step back a bit to either preserve energy or do things properly mm-hmm. instead of that go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we're talking about, you know, back into the hips and why people have so many hip issues because we're working outside of our range of motion. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just get excited I like about that, that. And, I, and I want to keep contributing to that conversation. I like that because I think that's yeah. where people don't understand how or why they're hurting themselves, or why they're re-injuring.
0: Both in yoga
1: and life, and life. Yeah.
0: And where some people I can imagine would hear this and say, "But I have to go 100 percent. Never mind 100. I'm doing 200. Yeah. My <laughs> yeah. partner doesn't do anything. Or um, I have. Uh, I'm doing it all. I'm a single parent." Instead of saying, that's right, I am doing it all, fill in the blank, I'm single parent, or I'm Mm -hmm. single, or my husband or partner does nothing. But what does 80% look like? Well, if it does mean that you give up the hockey game or one sport, uh, while the kids are doing three, maybe 80% or or your 80% is giving up one thing. And that what our real fear comes down to is being able to say no.
2: Okay. I, I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I also think that we're just unaware.
0: Mm-hmm. I can agree with that because I think that everybody's riding on that same bus afraid yeah. of jumping off.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, so I'll just go back to yoga. Mm-hmm. Kelly mentioned there's eight limbs of yoga and most of us only realize the asana part of it or the posture part of it. And that's really only 1% of it. So this idea of self-study is a big part of yoga. And when you start to study your life or study yourself or study your situations, I think that's when people start to become aware and recognize when they can say no or how they can say no. But until they get that or until something shifts in them energetically, I don't know. I don't even know that they think no is an option.
1: And this, and I think I'm so glad you said it exactly like that because for me, that goes right back to why we have pelvic issues and hip Mm -hmm. issues, because when we don't feel safe to Hmm. say no, In our lives, to people, or you know, well, we're saying no to people engaging in relationships or tasks, we start to feel not safe, Mm -hmm. not secure. And if I say no and I'm not safe, it's because I'm not loved. Mm -hmm. No means we often equate no with I don't love you or I don't like you instead Mm -hmm. of no, I can't or I don't want to, Mm -hmm. and just leaving it at that. And so we hold all these issues and this stiffness and fear in the pelvis, which directly affects. All of the hips, and as you've already illustrated, stems upwards and downwards in the body.: The mm-hmm. yep.
0: Yep. hips are also the financial belt.
1: Oh, well, there you go. N- so you're, said
0: Yes, so your your "no <coughs> might mean if I say no to the boss, uh, I could get fired. Not likely, but sometimes we tell ourselves that story mm-hmm. so that we have the we have the sentence to fall back on "I have to work this weekend, it's my job," meaning I'll get fired if I don't, yeah. but chances are you're not getting fired if you don't that's just your story yeah. and, and that we tell that story, but the hip area is the financial area, <laughs> and it's your creative belt as well mm-hmm. and it's your family issues um. So all in that, those first and second chakras having to do with, um, uh, providing for your family, which could just be yourself if you are your family, um, and all of the fears. So to me, one of the things we haven't talked about yet in the hip area is about fear. Mm
1: -hmm. And can I ask you a question? Because I find it fascinating, not just because of what I do, but just because of being a human being, I'll say, um, I remember taking my first class in yoga in Ottawa at Ramalotis and wanting to leave the class. I was so angry in one of the, oh, the yeah. asanas <laughs> and it was a hip opener. Yeah. And I was like, I hate my life. I hate the world. I hate this instructor. I, I, it was just went into a rage in my head and I wanted to leave so badly. And it, I, I stayed cause I can't say no and I couldn't at the time. And she ended up talking about the fact that if you're going into a rage right now, it's because The hips open up our anger. So as a yoga instructor, when you've got a room full of people or even just two people in that class, how do you feel when you are bracing yourself to get them into a a hip opener? Do you, do you feel all of that? Do you absorb all of it? Like what's your process?
0: We know what we feel. And I know why I'm in a private yoga class right now (laughs) because I can't absorb all of that because I do feel everybody's stuff. But go ahead. Yeah. Let's hear your well, answer. I mean,
2: it's so funny that you asked this question because I just had this happen last night. I had I had a really um, summertime, it's so a bit slower. So I had two women in class and um, focusing on some hips. And one of them uh, in particular uh, has very, very limited range of mobility in her hips. And so I, I wanted to, uh, I asked her if I could assist her. I p- placed my hand on her and I was trying to get her to feel that that flag in the wind. Okay. So I was giving her this, um, this technique that might help her realize this, this fluidity and it just kept jerking and, and it would cut and it would just, uh, 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 as I'm trying to let her, like, as I'm trying to guide her through it and she just kept tightening and tightening and tightening and tightening. And as soon as she would tighten, I would get waves of anger. And then she would let it go, and then it would be good. And then as soon as she tightened again, I'd get, like, waves of anger. And so it was interesting because, you know, a lot of it is, like, am I getting angry at the student because they're not asking me – or they're not doing what I'm asking them to do, and then I have to pull back and be like, no, like, we're doing hips right now, so (laughs) – It has nothing to do with me, but I do. I feel a lot of their anger when we do that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, and I think about every physiotherapist or massage therapist that would listen to this. And go, holy crap, no wonder I feel rage when I'm working with such and such a person. Or tired at
1: the end
0: of your day. Tired and fatigued. Or their own rage and anger coming up in their career thinking, I hate my job. When in fact, maybe they love their job, but they don't understand that they're actually feeling everybody else's emotions. And that they can love their job if they could understand that and get the tools to move past that. Like you, where you sit back. Or Kelly and I, where we sit back and go, this is their pain, not mine. Mm -hmm. If every time I felt other people's pain, I wanted to quit my job, I would have no job minute by minute,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. because that's what we do all the time. But I think of how many people in their professions do that and not understand it.
2: Right, and then I mean, that's you know, we all three of us have talked about balance and balance our life, and um, you know, balance our fun versus balance our work. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there's a reason why I have big chunks of time off in the afternoons <laughs> or on the weekends where I can just so, sort of go and play. Um, and I'm grateful to my students that they recognize that I need that time in order to teach them better.
0: You know what, Amanda, what a huge properly. thing to hear, because I think of how many people in whether it's their profession or it's being a mom or being a dad, where they think that they have to be on call 24 hours and they can't take any time to take care of themselves. You just said taking care of yourself made you better at what you do and that your playtime makes you a better teacher. Mm -hmm. Now I think about when people aren't willing to take that time to be creative and play, um, because they feel shame or guilt doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to come back to a boss and saying, I need my weekends off to regenerate so that I'm good for you during the week. Mm-hmm. And that my 40 hours here are productive instead of stretching them into 60 mm-hmm. that are not as productive even as my 40. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's really cool because, you know, I know some of your students on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been in there frequently. Um to watch them when you take time off when you when you announced them on a Thursday just a reminder the the studio's closed on tomorrow and Monday mm-hmm. um, you know you just went to a Foo Fighters concert and your students are like oh my gosh have so much fun mm-hmm. and most people would go into that fear of if i close the studio i'll lose my students they'll go elsewhere what will i do for my career that whole story that you're talking mm-hmm. about and yet your students are like ah oh, have so much fun i can't wait to hear all about it mm-hmm. and in in turn they'll also come up to you, you know, when your studio reopens on the Tuesday and they'll tell you all of the alternative fun they had for mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like this sharing of your Foo Fighters was my gardening mm-hmm. and, or, you know, whatever it was for them. And, and so you're teaching them how to play by being an example. Mm-hmm.
0: And that they can, that you still came back to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes employees and employers are afraid of when they come back to each other, if or if they can, mm-hmm. that fear of being fired, or a mom and a child where I'm going to go off and have my fun, and Kelly's going to go off and have her fun, but we're still going to come back, mm-hmm. and that we're still going to love each other, or we that we could love each other even better or more, yeah. but the fear of that the less than all the time, yeah. and that what you're doing with with yoga, and what I'm talking about why we're asked to do hips, coming back to what we fear. Mm-hmm. And how that area in in the whole hip area, talking about our fears, Mm -hmm. our fear of aging Mm -hmm. and how the hips act up, particularly as we age, um, and the fear of, of, of life or of death. Um, and when you say, when you talk about the, when you were pulling to release and her body wanting to snap back, you know, instead of being that loosey goosey flag, it wants to snap back. How else do we snap back in life? You know, um... Do we snap back in conversation? Do we have to control things? Mm. Um, one of the things that you've taught me in yoga, um, I thought Kelly was going to bring up, but she didn't. So it's kind of nice because now I get to actually say something knowledgeable about yoga. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, has to do with the fact that I would get into a pose and hate you. And I would yell it in the middle of class, I hate you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kinder than what I've done. <laughs> yes.
0: I hate amanda and i don't know some of the other students would laugh or or because i always thought yoga was so quiet mm. and that we and weren't
1: peaceful everyone yeah. thinks yoga is peaceful yeah that,
0: that they're all in their zen places no. and i'm yelling no. in class i hate you yeah. <laughs> and then finding out that afterwards that that was totally okay and that other people could laugh and giggle yeah. about it But that hour that I was in pain and I'd say, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, Uh, I don't like this. And you'd come over and make the adjustment Mm -hmm. so that I could get into a different part or a way that you'd move my body Mm -hmm. so that my muscles could start to let go and relax. Mm -hmm. Um, And that once I'm in that position for a few seconds, that you, I would want out. Oh my God, I would want out. I'd hit another pain point. And then you'd say, breathe. And I'd think, oh, I hate her. Mm-hmm. and or,
1: or, how?
0: Yes, <laughs> how, for the love of God, how? Yeah. <laughs> but then as soon as I would take those extra, that extra breath, sometimes it was just one simple breath that I took, that my muscle then stretched and I could feel myself move deeper mm-hmm. into my muscles. Mm-hmm. I moved deeper into what you call the pose I call my muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when I did that, the joy that I would feel... Mm-hmm. And the happiness that I would feel that I could get someplace like to a new place with my own body.
2: Well, I think that that goes back to uh, what Kelly said earlier as well about if you go into a posture at 100%, you give it your all, let's say, there's no room for the body to release and move deeper. You've already moved it into a place where it's rigid. Okay, so relate that back to life as well in any part of this conversation. Um, But if you go to 80%, then you can feel where there's space, you can feel where there's a little bit more movement, you can feel where you're restricted, and then you can kind of, you know, take a bit more support. Um, I was actually going to say
1: time, because I think Hmm. that's also something people don't take, because you can talk about your props... In how people will or will not ask for props to assist them into a more comfort, which is mind boggling that people won't even ask for help. Um, But the time that we don't allow ourselves, Mm -hmm. we think we're supposed to get it the first time, 100%. -hmm. But you're saying take 80, Mm -hmm. take one more deep breath, Mm -hmm. and and people feel so rushed Mm -hmm. that it's like, why do I need another breath? Why am I not there now?
2: Mm -hmm. Take one more year. Even I have a guy that came to me today. He's a he's a cycler. And he's been with me now for two years. And he's like, I wanna tell you that I was out on the canoe on the weekend. Um, so with cycling, you're shortening the tops of the feet, the tops of the shins, right? By by pedaling all the time. So the leg muscles are just shortening all the time, all the time. So in his in the past, getting into a canoe and kneeling, he couldn't even kneel because the tops of his legs were so tight. So he came to me and he's like I was out on the canoe this past weekend and I could kneel (laughs) and he's, he comes Mm -hmm. three, four times a week like that. You know that it, it takes time in the body. It takes time in the mind. And I sometimes feel like people will come for three months consistently and they'll start to recognize a change in their body, but more so they'll start to open up different energies in in the body I mean because yoga is an energetic practice as well and then they'll get they'll get afraid and I wonder and then I, I won't see them again for
0: well and Kelly
2: and I, I wonder about that sometimes
0: well Kelly and I can relate to that in that when people come for I'll say an energy treatment or a session as medium or medical intuitive and they get information or healing and they come once yeah they come once and then they come back maybe five years later mm. and they, our culture, Um, isn't really one that's taught us that feeling good is worth working at. Um, And that I, for me, when you were talking about the cyclist, I think of how many people are on the physical fit train where they're learning to where they're running or they're triathletes. And I think about a lot of people like where there's a big emphasis on being super athletic Mm -hmm. or I don't know if that's the right word, super active, maybe Um, not understanding that, uh, I'm going to soccer, or I'm in football, or whatever sport they're in tennis, but not understanding that that the muscles have to be stretched. Mm-hmm. That they think that because they're active, because they run, or because they do something, that is enough. That's my that's my activity. Mm-hmm.
1: Can I can I go backwards for a second? Because I really I didn't want to interrupt, but I want to make a really neat point. Yeah. Um, I just called my own idea new. No, that I was, was gonna so be rude. Something that no. I was gonna be like, Sorry, that's good. But I wanted yeah. to say. So what? Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I, I wanted to say what I find remarkable. Okay, I worded that a little better. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about wanting to scream out "I hate you" in in class, when you're when you're she in a stopped phone. at that, I know. <laughs> well, no! Hold on. No, so, that's hold good. On. This is important, or I think it is. <laughs> When you were talking about feeling that anger toward your teacher, um, you didn't really, you didn't really mention the fact that Amanda comes back and says, I love you. Oh, yes. And this is something I, this is the more remarkable thing for me, is that as a teacher, and I'm going to say as a partner, because you're very much a partner for me in my life too, as, as a friend, as a, you know, business collaboration mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, there's so much partnership with what you offer people in in that energy, and when that person, whoever your student is, comes at you with, I hate you. You're the worst. <laughs> this is awful. You have this wonderful ability to recognize that it's there, that their anger is not about you, mm-hmm. that it is really about where they're at. Mm. It's about their own discomfort. Mm. And you still hold the space of, I love you. Oh yeah. And it doesn't, and that, I don't want people to confuse that with you're supposed to love someone even when they hate you. Uh, Because there's abusive situations that shouldn't cross with what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. Um, or to tolerate abuse and, and throw out love anyway. But the fact that you can understand that that particular anger is not about you and you can redirect their own energy and say, may I help you in assisting your own body? And then they can come to that place of, oh, there's my muscle sinking. There's my muscle giving. Mm -hmm. Um, You just, you hold such a beautiful space for them. Thank you.
2: Mm -hmm. That's alchemical yeah i think you mentioned that before and i think Mm -hmm. that's so neat
0: i love all the different modalities that i've studied and how when we're doing a yoga practice i get to see how you use alchemical healing and reiki and therapeutic touch and all these different things Mm -hmm. yeah you use crystals in your studio too Mm -hmm. um to help people Mm -hmm. and um how you you use the different cycles alchemical healing is about nine different cycles that the body goes through Mm -hmm. and how you help people go through those nine cycles over and over again every day by, um, being in the presence of their own muscles and their own bones and their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And as, as we know, meaning their own energy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You mentioned, uh, wait, I gotta say something funny.
0: Kelly, when you were talking, I, um, I, I lifted my foot and I almost hit one of the buttons (laughs) under your chair.
2: And I just got to (laughs) say something too. Look how while you're pointing your toes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's yes, yoga. because I'm doing yoga. <laughs> I'm sitting on that block point twice. Point toes in
1: another direction. <laughs>
0: yes, twice. A day. Amanda, no, look at.
1: You look like a dancer. Yes,
0: Aww, I couldn't bend my feet. No. And I had that's such severe nice. pain in my feet um, that I, was, I wasn't able to do my walks or my run anymore. Um, and the pain was bursting like nerve pain. And one particular pose in yoga has solved it. I think
2: it's great.
1: And
0: I have no pain. And by the way, Amanda, you and I ran today. Yeah, I know.
1: I have no foot pain oh that's good yeah they're not runners no, for anyone like, please, who's not no. surprised at that comment they're just not runners but look at i
0: can bend my toe no. my big toes i can bend all my toes I know. and look at my feet aren't turning colors uh. <laughs> they used to turn blue I, I had a blue foot at one point because of the circulation because and I,
2: also in your shin muscles too there's a little bit yeah. of happening there too yes
0: way. and my shin muscles were super tight because of the i won't just say the running i weight training and everything else but how important, and that's why I brought it up, Amanda, part of it, because you know that I like doing some of those things, Kelly as well, yeah. um, weight training and running and yeah. lots of different things that we're doing. And that it was, sometimes it would be like, I would think at the end of my day, oh, I ran today, I I worked out, I, I went to the gym and I lifted weights, that's enough, That's I'm pooped. Mm-hmm. Um, between that and cooking and and taking care of a home and business and all the other stuff Mm -hmm. and career, I don't have any more time. So it was like um, the yoga didn't get done because I thought if I'm busy and I'm exercising, shouldn't that be good for my heart and my body? Mm. But not understanding that when you put your body through those exercises and through just the job, Mm -hmm. just the sitting or just doing the regular things, being a human being, mm-hmm. that my body needed that attention. Mm-hmm. And I just think so many people don't understand that part. They think they're doing one thing right. They don't understand that as you build a muscle, you also have to stretch one.
2: Yeah. Well, I also think too, on an, on a, I'll call it de-stressing, right? So we've been told, we've been taught, we've been educated that by working out, you release endorphins mm-hmm. and you become happy. When you're stressed. And I think that's great.
1: <laughs> Is this about our conversation yes. yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I think that's really great. But I also wonder at what point when you're working out, are you working out um, and pushing anger or stress mm-hmm. into different areas of the body? Mm. And I don't have the answer for that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you're carrying all the stress around and then you go to the gym and you and you're bunny quoting here, releasing it um, when really you should be recognizing it and maybe practicing a little bit softer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know
0: that Kelly and I are on that same train with you Mm -hmm. um, or in in your corner, however you want to call it. Um, because there's so many things that our culture is taught to do with our emotions so that we don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and then uh, we yeah. throw them under the guise of, and this is good for you. Yeah. Instead of people educating themselves enough to say, is it really? Mm-hmm. And, and well,
2: is it what you need today in this moment, mm-hmm. you know, um,
1: I know yeah. I'm guilty. Like I've, I've, <clears throat> you know, through the fall season, I'll text my, my volleyball captain and say, what are, when are we playing tonight? I need to, I need to hit something. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, and, and
0: I appreciate that because
1: <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> um, no, but, but, exactly what you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I need to exert that energy. Um, and, and I feel like I'm getting the anger out, mm-hmm. but that adrenaline also builds. And in the body, the adrenaline is the same, right? We have adrenaline when we're angry and scared. Yeah. We have adrenaline when we're excited and happy mm-hmm. and the body doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. It's just stress. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all cortisol. Um, So, and I don't know if you, you want to answer or can answer, but what if I go hit something (laughs) at volleyball and then come home and stretch and do a personal practice? Can there be a healthy balance between the two? Because I think some people are thinking, do I have to give up? um, a certain aspect of, you know, if I shouldn't hit the weights at the gym or I shouldn't uh, go for a long run because people find meditation in different activities, right? Yeah. Totally. I mean, I mm-hmm. want to kill myself when I'm running.
2: Well we can talk about med- uh, the word meditation for hours if you want to. Yeah. Um, but some people but do yeah, reach that
1: state of I could run forever and it just feels like a beautiful release. Yeah. So, you know, how, how does one know,
2: but
0: difference. even the runner knows they have to stretch those muscles after I they've endured they
1: right.
2: the yeah.
0: pounding of running. I
2: would mm-hmm. hope that they do. And, I, and I, I have many students that are runners and they recognize that they don't stretch well before or after they run.
0: Mm-hmm. So, That's why I brought this up. Yeah. Because I think, that, like I said, so many people will go to the football game yeah. and the, the coach will run through a drill or I don't know what you call because I'm not a football person. You
1: did great. Yeah. Did I? Yeah, you did. Good. Oh,
0: That they have certain stretches to do and that the team might have a physio or a kinesiologist or a massage therapist that's supposed to do the work for them. Oh, we could talk about that too. We could probably talk about how massage therapists would like to sit in this conversation and say, yeah, yeah, Yeah. uh, don't I know it? Because they go off and do all of the work and tear the muscles and then they want me to fix them. They, and they don't ever want to go home. I'm sure to much physios lament, they want their physio to fix them yeah. in the two half hour or, or 12 half hour sessions but they don't want to come home and do the work the physios told them to do mm-hmm. by stretching those mm-hmm. muscles mm-hmm. so i would imagine you have a lot in common with the that that community mm-hmm. in being frustrated by the same types of things
2: yeah and and i um going back to like the the strength training or the working out to to release stress, um, I, I often think about the shoulders and, you know, our society um, slouches a lot. Uh, we carry stress on our shoulders. A lot of us are sedentary. We're sitting at our desks all day long and, and our shoulders are rising. And then <clears throat> we're causing, right, this sort of <clears throat> hunched over slouched <clears throat> posture where our upper body is tight. Our upper traps are tight. <clears throat> and then you go to the gym before or after work and you're doing strength training in your back and in your chest, or your biceps, or your triceps, and how much shorter your muscles are becoming because of these strengthening exercises just to release stress from your day when you were sitting like that all day long, and now those muscles are already short, and you're going, and you're doing strength training, and you're shortening them even more by these exercises.
1: I think you've described it to me before as an elastic. and uh, like... Yeah, that's
2: the way I like to think about it. I don't know. Sorry, go ahead, but I don't know if that's... Uh... That's just the way that I like to think about
1: it. No, I liked it because you had, oh, okay. you, had you had told me about... I mean, <clears throat> I'm, don't you <clears throat> help me out. Like The muscle's right near the collarbone here. Mm-hmm. So between the shoulder and the front of my chest, you said to think of it in a lot, as an elastic. Mm-hmm. And if you keep cutting the elastic, how mm-hmm. much bend do you have? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to lift the weights and I'll say quote-unquote strengthen them, but you're only strengthening a short muscle now. Mm-hmm. And it's already tight and rigid. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was a perfect illustration of why... You know, now I want to lay over my bolster and put my arms out at my side mm-hmm. to actually open up those muscles mm-hmm. um, instead of feeling all of that pain. Given, giving them that range of motion back. <clears <clears
2: <throat>
0: back. Amanda, can I say a little Excuse bit you? about what you and I did together? Yeah. Okay. So um, um, I hired you to come to my home to do it one-on-one mm-hmm. so that can I... Can you just
2: say also, too, that you tried to come to class and it just wouldn't work?
0: Yes. Okay. I tried to come to class and it just wouldn't work. <laughs>
2: you did good <laughs> keep going because <laughs> Sorry. um
0: because I kept getting everybody else's pain yeah. and everybody else's energy and thoughts and I could hear everything and see everything and I'd burst out laughing inappropriately or have, you couldn't focus on me no you'd be talking it's and like saying,
2: a doggy treat here and then here. <laughs>
0: yeah here? no are you with me no hello yeah not at all okay. so you came to my home and I was able to tell you each time you came what hurt where what I was doing you would say what are you doing and I would tell you what activities I was doing if I was working extra hours what I was doing when I was working the motions of my body mm-hmm. and the positions that I would find myself myself in most of the time or frequently, Mm -hmm. so that you could give me poses to do. Mm -hmm. And then that we spent six, six weeks we're doing on one series of just four or five poses Mm -hmm. or six poses so that every time you come, um, you were readjusting me in those poses. And this was funny. And I can be honest and tell you about this now.
2: Okay. I thought you're
0: going to come each day uh, each week and give me like six new poses to do. Oh. And you'd come and you'd go, okay, uh, show me what you did last week. And then I'd go, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'd go get into that pose. And you'd be like, okay, now I want you to move this. And I want you to move that ever so slightly, like by an eighth of an inch. And I'd go, oh, oh, well, that feels better. Mm. <laughs> and re- and then I realized after like the third time that you came, I wasn't going to get any new poses. Uh-uh. <laughs> but that you were literally going to spend six to eight weeks making me do them freaking right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to say thank you. And I also want to say that as I've done that, just by repeating a short amount of poses, instead of thinking more was better for me, mm-hmm. Which I think is part of culture teaching. More mm-hmm. is better. Um, you gave me about six to eight poses at the at the end mm-hmm. that I'm happy to stay with for a longer period of time now, because I know there's so much to learn and to do in adjusting those mm-hmm. that my muscles still need. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. I I still need emotionally too, mm-hmm. not just the the physical muscle. And that we t- you took pictures of me on my cell phone, mm-hmm. uh, on my nice little Samsung, mm-hmm. so that when you're not here, because I don't have a memory because of all of the channeling that I do, that I don't remember the poses. So you took all the pictures of me, um, and with all of the corrections, mm-hmm. so that I could go to my phone whether I'm at home or I'm in, on traveling for work or for leisure, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that I could just grab them on my phone, and be able to look at my routine and see the pictures, so that I could get back into them again.
2: Yep. And I, uh, I think it goes back to that's those six or eight poses. It goes back to what Kelly said, which is t- time. Right? Yes. Um, oh yeah. And, and I
0: wanted to rush through it. You know, when you talked about that, Kelly, I thought about me, well, oh, and of how. Of course you did. <laughs> and and how how many? How many yeah. Okay. I'm teasing no, you. no, it's it's all good. How, but how often? Um, I think in school that we're taught to how many math questions can we get through in one minute. I think about the mad minutes. I think about different things in, in, in life about how we're supposed to be able to do things really fast. We jam
2: our days even, right? Yes. Like, and how I got to get this done. I got to get this done, this done, this done. It's a whole to do list and there's no time for, there's just no time for time.
0: Yes. And how people will (laughs) say that they don't have time to to take care of themselves. Yeah. And and the shame and the guilt that they feel if they actually do and that people think that that's being selfish and that they don't understand the difference between selfish acts and self-care acts.
1: I'm
0: not friends with those people. No, well, not none of the three three of us aren't. Um, but, uh, and I won't say that it's just generational because uh, I thought it was my generation mm-hmm. that lived their lives like that, but I see that it was my parents. And I also still see that your generation is rushing, yeah. uh, And you guys are in your twenties your and early thirties, yeah. but you guys are rushing because you're the ones that have the careers and the, I'll say more fun, but I realized yeah. it wasn't just mm-hmm. my generation. Mm-hmm. You guys are just as rushed and kids mm-hmm. are being rushed even more.
2: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, We're going I,
0: at warp speed now.
2: And so going back to time and the six or eight postures that I've given you, i mm-hmm. um, giving you time to, well, to, to get to know your body, right? So if you're reflecting on your own practice, you have to get to know how your body moves, how your body works. And I always like to um, point, point this out or reiterate it or, or hone in on it. It's always about constant correction. So even in class, when, you know, I get people into even a restorative posture where you're just laying around being supported by pillows and blankets, um, the body has to have time to sink into the pose. Like it takes us at night 12 to 15 minutes to actually relax before we can fall asleep. So some people about, will laugh at that.
1: Yeah, oh, some
0: people will say their head hits the, pol- okay. the pillow and they're gone. And, I know. and, and some
1: people and, will say it takes way, way longer. Okay.
2: So then, well, I'm not, I'm not going to touch on that, but I'm thinking restorative postures to, to be able to sink into the posture, to be able to let go, to be able to um, let the muscles relax and then, mm-hmm. and, then mm-hmm. and then adjust and then do it again and then adjust and then do it again. It's it's the same in an active posture.
0: So I think about how doing yoga and doing these postures properly and with the right instructor can help me sleep better, can help me sit at my jaw better, can help me play my sports better, can help me do my recreational activities better, can help me just go for a walk better, um, can help me, um, what else?
1: I don't know. You like to make long lists. <laughs> I think they get the point after two or three. I know, and you like to keep going. But okay, so I love now, you. I'm whining now. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm just gonna whine
0: for a minute. She's Shut so up, good. because <laughs> just, just easy. I'm just joking. Like, you you're deep not,
1: half coffee. You want her to be quiet?
0: No, she can interrupt yeah. uh, if you're adding to my list.
1: Ah! <laughs> you can interrupt if you do it my way.
0: <laughs> um, I make a list of the benefits. Yeah. Because I like in all seriousness, because I think if people don't hear a list of benefits, they won't bother. And sometimes, even if it's just to sleep better, mm-hmm. they'll stay sleeping shitty unless there's more on that list. Uh, that I'll say gets them to their tipping point mm-hmm. where it now has value t- that I could maybe go to bed 15 minutes or half an hour and not watch one show, last show at the end of the night. But I'm not going to give up my, my, this show or this show for my yoga.
2: Oh man, there's a whole sequence. There's a whole, I mean, there's a whole sequence that has been designed by one of the yoga masters that helps aid in insomnia. I mean, it's been proven that meditation and yoga help with sleep. Um, So I question the people, well, I just question like what your day is like if you're hitting the pillow and you're out like a light. I also question um, what's happening in your mind when you're trying to fall asleep. That's a whole other topic, I think.
1: Though. It is. Yeah. And Parker's barking. I think he's calling it done.
0: Oh, okay, fine. Amanda, thank you.
1: Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, we thank appreciate you for having it. me.
0: We'll have you again. Namaste.